Hi there and welcome to a short recap of what happened in financial markets during the year of 2023 and then also what happened in markets during the final quarter of last year. So last year markets could be defined as a market which was relatively resilient in the face of uncertainties but we also had a nice comeback story during the final quarter of last year. So let's do a little bit of a deeper dive into the events which dictated the movement of markets. So if we start off with emerging markets, emerging markets performed well alongside developed markets. There was in one ex- exception um, to the story being this world's second largest economy, China. So China continued to struggle because of ongoing problems in its property sector. We saw, for example, that in 70 of China's largest cities, they had price declines for six consecutive months. And unfortunately, 70% of China's household wealth is tied up in the property sector. So it's only natural that it will have an impact on consumption. And that is exactly what we saw. Now, during 2023, economists and investors expected consumption to be quite strong, uh, especially given that China was locked down for an extended period of time. But that did not happen because of all the problems in the in the property sector. Simultaneously, China is struggling with structural changes. We see now that its, a, that its population is aging. Um, that's not very good. And we also know that there's a very high high unemployment rate among China's youth, which is also not stimulating the economy in in that sense. All this, unfortunately, has led to a little bit of a dry up in foreign direct investment back into China, uh, which Beijing is trying to resolve by stimulating the economy. We would, however, like to see much more stimulus as we go forward. Other emerging markets outside of China did very well. If you look at the MSCI All Country World Index, excluding China, that indice was up by almost 15%. Some of the best performing countries there was India. India benefited out of cheaper oil imports from Russia, which benefited them. And then there was also because of policy, a lot of reinvestment back into the economy, especially in its construction sector. Then we also saw that Brazil performed quite well. So Brazil boosted their oil production and they also benefited from an increase in demand for their agriculture and also for energy solutions. That is mainly a result of the world shifting away from Russia and Ukraine to these type of countries because of the war that's taking place there. And we also know that uh, Brazil can be a big beneficiary from declining interest rates as we move into 2024. The reason being is that uh, Brazil's interest rates are pretty elevated uh, compared to other countries. Mexico also had a very good year. And then if we move closer to home in South Africa, we started off the year um, in a very, very subdued fashion, but we ended in a very strong way. The big reason for the strong finish was the weaker dollar, which boosted our commodity sector. And then we also saw some uh, positives uh, from asset managers, the likes of 91, for example, as a result of equity markets that's just lifted in general. So moving on to developed markets, developed markets had a much better year than emerging markets for several reasons. If we just look at some of the countries there, Japan was definitely the standout performer. Uh, Japan benefited out of inflation that we saw for the first time in a very long time. So what that basically just led to was consumers not postponing their spending anymore out of the fear of higher prices in the future. So they spent now. It was very good for Japanese companies. And we also saw that 
that the, the Japanese consumer became richer because of wage growth taking place there. Another big reason was the yen that reached a 34-year low against the dollar, so that benefited companies that uh, generate a lot of their revenues outside of Japan. And then short on Japan's yields was the US. Now, a lot of us already know the reason for that. We saw a massive rally in the Magnificent Seven, uh, that being Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Apple, uh, NVIDIA, etc. So the Magnificent Seven started off the year on a very strong foot because of the whole hype around artificial intelligence. But they took a little bit of a dip as we moved into August, September and October. So what happened there was uh, a lot of fears surrounding higher for longer interest rates as well as a possible US recession. Uh, But it was also a little bit of seasonal selling and profit taking taking place. And then once again, we ended the year in November and December on a very strong foot in the US with these stocks rallying even further. Simultaneously, because of strong consumption in the US, because of a strong consumer, uh, companies like, for example, Costco and Amazon and TJX that sells a lot of products also performed very well. So moving over to Europe, we saw that Europe has their own version of the Magnificent Seven, which they call the Magic Eight. Those include the likes of ASML, uh, LVMH, uh, Air Liquide and L'Oreal, for example. Those companies also serve to drag up the markets quite a lot. But European markets lagged US markets for several reasons. We saw that they had to contend with higher energy prices, for example, higher input costs just because of inflation. And then also Europe's largest economy, which is Germany, unfortunately saw a slowdown in manufacturing, which is wide uh, on, on stock markets as well. Over in the UK, we saw a very similar pattern. Uh, the UK markets, the FTSE 100, ended off the year on a very strong footing because of the expectation for lower inflation going forward and then also resulting lower interest rates. If we look at uh, alternative assets, there's two alternative assets that, that I will be discussing. The first one being gold and the second one being cryptocurrencies or more specifically Bitcoin. Now, big reason for me discussing it is because we've received a lot of questions as of late with regards to these two uh, alternative assets. So if you just look at gold, gold was a relatively silent winner throughout 2023. It uh, reached a new all-time high in December. It ended up the year above $2,000 per fine ounce. Now, the strength that we saw towards the latter end of the year was definitely the weakness in the dollar which drove up the demand for the commodity and also the expectation for lower interest rates as we go forward uh, into 2024. We also believe that those proponents could be catalysts for gold to stay elevated uh, throughout the year. The other alternative asset is cryptos, more specifically Bitcoin that was a standout performer. So Bitcoin started the year below $20,000 a Bitcoin but ended the year above $40,000 a Bitcoin. Uh, Big reason is the imminent approval of several Bitcoin exchange traded funds, which we might see in the near future. Some bulls out there believe that that can pull in about 600 billion US dollars worth of funds into the asset. But the bears, uh, well, the bears also argue uh, on the flip side that it might be a case of buying the rumor and then selling the fact at the end of the day. Revision product clients, we do not really speculate in these type of asset classes and we will refrain from investing in them. 
If we look at a, a couple of the themes that stood out during the quarter for us, and we start with Apple. We saw that Apple's share price reached new highs in November and December, and that came amidst increasing competition in China from the likes of Huawei, who recently launched their Mate 60 Pro and is stealing away market share from Apple. Now, the reason this is important to us is because we've seen some sluggish growth in Apple's device division as of late, and Apple needs to sell more devices to support the services side of the business, which is the faster growing side. A second theme was uh, we saw continued strong consumption, especially during the holiday period in the US. We saw that in the results of Amazon, uh, Costco and TJX, for example. But we also saw a shift in consumer spending behavior to, towards more buy now, pay later services, which also reached a new all-time high in the final quarter. And then we also saw that it was a quarter for workers where unions managed to negotiate higher wages for their workers. We saw, for example, UPS now have to pay their workers 55% more. Uh, certain airlines have to pay their workers 40% more. And the United Auto Workers Union negotiated 20% higher wage for their workers to the detriment of Ford and General Motors. Uh, it did not stop there. We also saw that the writers and the actors in Hollywood striked against the incoming threat of artificial intelligence, but also they wanted higher wages, which they got. That will affect Disney, Paramount, Netflix, and Warner and then we also saw towards the latter end of the year that that Amazon and Starbucks also started to come under pressure uh, as unions ramped up pressure against them. In our portfolios during the quarter, we were quite busy, not as busy as we were during the third quarter of the year where we bought LVMH, uh, Nike and Walt Disney. But during this quarter, we bought yet another high quality stock in the form of ASML. Now, ASML, for those who don't know, manufactures machines that cost between $300 million and $400 million a machine. It's uh, called an extreme ultraviolet photography machine. And these machines are used to manufacture the chips, which we use in everyday devices like computers and cell phones for example. Now the stock came under pressure because of the increasing geopolitical risk between China and the US but we picked up ASML at an incredibly attractive price where we built in enough margin uh, to cover basically all of these risks. We are still in the money there as well. Then we recently took profit on Shell which has been a long-time winner for us. We switched those funds into Chevron. Chevron has been coming down over the last while because of a major acquisition uh, that they're doing. They're buying Hays for 53 billion US dollars. Despite this acquisition, we still think that Chevron has one of the best free cash flow yields in the industry, and they're planning on returning a lot of capital back to shareholders over the next several years. As we head into 2024, we expect market volatility to remain, which will create a five environment for stock pickers such as ourselves and the reason for the heightened volatility is first of all the ongoing geopolitical risk in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas which could potentially broaden out into a wider regional conflict. We've already seen signs they off in the Red Sea. Then there's also the ongoing conflict between Ukraine and Russia at the moment. And then there's always the possibility of China invading Taiwan. The second risk is definitely the uh, presidential elections in the US later on this year, where they will need to decide on a Democratic and a Republic nominee. Both nominees will bring different policies to the table, which might affect markets in a different way. 
in the short term. Then there's also markets that are currently too expensive. We see that American markets are trading at a price earnings multiple of 23. That is quite elevated in comparison to its historic norms. And we would need to see earnings catching up to justify these valuations. And then finally, there's the risk that the Fed doesn't pivot as fast as the bond market is predicting. The bond market is pricing in a couple of rate cuts this year. And there might be the possibility that inflation doesn't come down as expected and the Fed doesn't reduce rates as fast and as much as the bond market predicts. The opposite is also true. We can see that earnings surprises to the upside. We've seen that the consumer is very resilient and the job market is quite strong. So there's always the possibility for that. And then we can also see the opposite where inflation comes down a lot faster and the Fed is forced to pivot also a lot, lot faster or the US goes into a recession, um, for example. Now, efficient private clients, we try to look through all of this noise. We make long-term decisions and we try to control what we can and that is buying high quality companies basically not overpaying for those companies and then trying to hold on to those companies for as long as possible thank you very much